0: Obesity is associated with multiple medical and psychological comorbidities. An often underrecognized problem is that of weight-related stigmatization, which can lead to unfair treatment, prejudice, and discrimination. Are you guilty? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Rebecca Poole. She's Director of Research and Anti-Stigma Initiatives at the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University, where she is also a research scientist. Dr. Poole is responsible for identifying and coordinating research and policy efforts aimed at reducing weight bias and improving the quality of life of children and adults affected by obesity. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr.
1: Poole. Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Dr. Poole, what exactly is weight bias?
1: Weight bias generally refers to negative attitudes towards a person because he or she is overweight or obese, such as stereotypes that they are lazy or lacking in willpower. And and these can be manifested in different ways. So, for example, uh, verbal teasing or name calling or derogatory remarks are very common towards obese individuals. This can also include physical bullying and aggression. It can include relational victimization which means being socially excluded or ignored and it can also include overt forms of discrimination so things like not being hired for a job or being denied a promotion or even being assigned a lower wages because of one's weight and so it can really emerge in a variety of ways
0: lower wages just because you're overweight
1: that's correct there's actually a number of studies now that have followed large samples of obese individuals for many decades. And what they find is that obese women earn about 6% less than thinner women for the same work performed, and obese men earn about 3% less than thinner men. And this is after controlling for a number of socio-demographic variables that might otherwise account for those findings.
0: I'm a little puzzled as obesity seems to be becoming the norm in our society that I would expect the discrimination to be lessening. Is it happening?
1: You know, one would think that as obesity rates increase, that people would become more accepting or more tolerant. But in fact, we're seeing the opposite trend. We're seeing that attitudes are actually becoming worse.
0: How does this compare with other biases like gender bias, race bias in the country?
1: Well, you know, we've actually recently studied this question. We looked at a nationally representative sample of Americans, and we compared the prevalence of weight discrimination with discrimination experiences based on race and gender and other characteristics. And what we found is that weight discrimination is very common, and the prevalence rates are actually very close to race and gender. And in fact, among women, weight discrimination is actually more common than racial discrimination. And so this really tells us that this is a legitimate social problem that we need to be paying attention to.
0: Well, certainly the country's attention has been on race and gender bias with the election this year. And just thinking about it, we haven't really had an overweight candidate, have we?
1: We haven't. And you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, because there were some interesting internet discussions that were going on, asking if people would still vote for the current candidates if they were obese. And I think that you know, weight bias can trickle in even on that level as well.
0: How does weight-based stigmatization affect eating behaviors in obese patients?
1: Well, unfortunately, weight bias can often lead to unhealthy eating behaviors. So, for example, um, what we know from research is that overweight girls and boys who experience frequent weight teasing are more likely to engage in unhealthy weight control or binge eating behaviors compared to their peers who aren't teased. And among adults, we see the same kind of thing, that oftentimes people cope with weight bias by engaging in unhealthy eating behaviors. As an example, in one of our own studies, we surveyed over 2,400 overweight and obese women and we asked them, you know, how do you, how do you cope with weight bias when you experience it? And almost 80% of people reported that they coped by eating more food and 75% reported they coped by refusing to diet. And I think it's really important to kind of highlight these points because there are some perceptions that weight bias might have a positive function of motivating people to engage in healthy eating behaviors or to lose weight. But in fact, what we're seeing is the opposite, that it can really have a detrimental impact on eating and might even reinforce obesity.
0: So this should be something we should bring up with our patients, especially as we try to treat the obese diabetic patient.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, it's, it's really critical for providers to be aware of bias. And to be recognizing that it's an experience that is probably happening to their patients even on a daily basis in different settings.
0: Are we as health professionals guilty of weight bias?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Um, You know, weight bias is very common in healthcare settings and overweight and obese patients often confront stereotypes and negative attitudes from their own providers. And the science that has examined this is really quite telling because studies actually survey different groups of providers about their own attitudes including, you know, physicians, nurses, medical students, dietitians, and and providers are very willing to admit that they believe their obese patients are lazy and lacking in self-control and are non-compliant and weak-willed and a bunch of other different stereotypes and I think it's, you know, it, it's really telling that this is a, a socially acceptable bias in our culture.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Rebecca Poole from Yale University. We are discussing weight bias. Dr. Poole, has your group looked at this in a research setting about health professionals being guilty of weight bias?
1: We have. We did a recent study a couple of years ago where we surveyed over 2,400 obese individuals, and we gave them a list of about 20 different sources of potential weight bias including you know family members colleagues employers various health providers and they were asked how often each type of individual was a source of weight bias in their own life and what we found is that doctors were actually the second most frequent source of weight bias that they confronted so i think you know it's, it's surprising how how common this is and you know not surprisingly patients are reporting that they feel that they're disrespected by their physicians that they are reluctant to seek health care as a result. And, you know, we really need to look at how how biased attitudes, um, you know, impacts the quality of care provided to obese patients.
0: I just don't hear professionals talking about this.
1: I think there's certainly more awareness of it. Certainly at our center, we get calls from providers all over the country who are starting to to see this become a problem among their staff and colleagues and who are looking for educational resources. And I think, you know, one of the reasons some people may not be talking about it is that it really is an accepted part of of many clinical settings because this is a bias that is is so acceptable. And I think a lot of times negative attitudes stem from perceptions about the causes of obesity that people are to blame for their weight and therefore deserving of negative attitudes.
0: Mm -hmm. Are any ages especially vulnerable to this bias?
1: Well, people of all ages can experience weight bias, but we know that um, youth and children are especially vulnerable, and, and they often encounter verbal teasing by peers and bullying and victimization. And you know, I don't think it's surprising that peers are frequent critics of obese children. And in fact, what we're seeing is that negative attitudes in kids begin as early as preschool, around three years old, and. What the studies are showing is that preschoolers are reporting that their overweight peers are mean, that they're stupid and ugly and lazy, and a whole bunch of negative adjectives. And these, unfortunately, just become worse as kids go through school. You know, they really are vulnerable targets to, uh, to bias and stigma.
0: What can an individual healthcare provider do to decrease uh, their own weight
1: bias? Well, I think there's a number of things. I think the first is to recognize that none of us are immune to society's negative attitudes towards obese people and to really look at one's own beliefs and attitudes about weight. And I also think that there's a number of things that providers can do in their clinical practice to try to address this. So I think the first is recognizing that you know many patients have experienced bias with previous providers, and so we need to really approach patients with sensitivity. And we also need to make sure that we've got accurate information and an accurate understanding about the causes of obesity, that, you know, this is really caused by a complex interaction of genetic, environmental, biological factors, and to make sure that we don't have automatic assumptions about the causes of obesity that reinforce negative stereotypes also, you know, there's a couple of other things that we tend to highlight when we're speaking with providers about this. It's really important to be aware of how we talk about weight with our patients. Sometimes words or terms that we use may come across as being pejorative, even if we don't intend them to be. So I often encourage providers to really ask patients, how would they feel most comfortable talking about their weight? And to make sure that as providers, we're communicating empathy. I think also one of the things that obese patients feel quite a lot of anxiety about is getting weighed on the scale. It's a very Mm -hmm. embarrassing and and shameful procedure for many people to the degree that studies show that obese patients are actually avoiding healthcare because they don't want to get weighed. And so as providers, we need to really recognize that this is a very difficult experience for many people. And we need to make sure that we have our scales in private locations of the office, that we record their weight with sensitivity, and that we make it as comfortable as we can for them.
0: My fear is that we tend to be polarized on this issue, that either we're overtly biased and negative and destructive to patients or we completely ignore it. And we don't we don't want to talk about their weight because we don't want them to be embarrassed, we don't want to be embarrassed. And certainly in, right. in psychiatry that's been a huge problem that most psychiatrists don't weigh their patients and especially with some of the side effects now in medications and psychiatry. We have to weigh our patients, but we're uncomfortable doing that.
1: I think you're right. I think that there are a lot of legitimate challenges for providers who are working with obese patients. And I think that there is a fine line that needs to be addressed about being sensitive and yet not judgmental and and making sure that we address this issue that's important with our patients, but not in a way that feels like unsolicited judgment or advice. And and it's, it's a difficult balance to achieve.
0: What can we do as a culture to help?
1: I think as a culture, we need to challenge weight-based stereotypes. For example, in the media, there are very negative portrayals of obese and overweight characters in television and in film, and we really need to replace these negative portrayals of obese persons with more positive examples so that we can communicate the message that You know, people can be successful and accomplish goals regardless of their body size. And I think we also have to make sure as a culture that we understand that body mass index is not necessarily an indicator of health, that there are many individuals who are very thin or who don't struggle with their weight who actually are unhealthy as well. And so we need to make sure we have a broader understanding about that. I think as a culture, you know, we need to consider enacting legislation to protect individuals from weight-based discrimination. Um, You know, gender, race, a number of characteristics have been protected for some time, but unfortunately it remains socially acceptable to discriminate against individuals if they are overweight or obese. What happens is that we send a message to society that it's okay to stigmatize people because of their weight, and I think that that just reinforces ongoing blame and bias.
0: Any resources for listeners who may want to learn more about this?
1: I would definitely encourage people to visit our website, which is www. YaleRudCenter.org. We have a number of resources for healthcare professionals, including actually a new CME that has been launched by our center and approved by the Yale Medical School here for um, free CME credit.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you. We've been talking about weight bias with Dr. Rebecca Poole, who is Director of Research and in Anti-Stigma Initiatives at the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening.